So here we go back again. This is my this is my day 20 on the uh, Camino, and I'm following uh, BK Lee from Korea on his day. Uh, this is his day five, second hour of his day five. He was walking it in Spain, well, a couple of years ago. I'm redoing it. I did the Camino a few years ago. I'm redoing it on my treadmill here in Galway, Ireland. Nice sunny day there in Spain. Let me move this mic. I always move the mic after starting. One might think moving it before starting would be uh, the optimum way to approach this endeavor. Given that I've been known to tell people they're doing things wrong, tell them, no, this is the right way of doing it. That's always the way with these know-it-alls, isn't it, though? They're full of, you know, crap. So uh, it's nice and sunny out there. Looks like the sun is fairly high in the sky. BK is panting. Oops. I can hear, uh, sorry, my plug board just slipped off the treadmill there, but it's all good. We're still going. Uh, I can hear a road nearby. Oh, I can see it now, actually. So we're on a path alongside the, the highway or the, the main road. And uh, I think I missed a couple of days. Let me just check that I am on day 20. One would imagine these things are important. I wonder will anyone listen to all my podcasts? Yeah, we're on day 20. Uh, I doubt anyone will. Not even I've listened back to them all in total. So, but I think they don't have to be listened to in sequence. Oh, I just got a message on my phone. So let me see. Gonna check the message. Yeah, the message is from someone I've arranged to talk to at 8.30. I might suggest if she wants to watch the Decalogue. We've been watching um, Decalogue films simultaneously, not in the same room, but then talking about it. Decalogue, the series of 10 films by Christoph Kieślowski, more known for the Three Colors trilogy. And Decalogue, based on the Ten Commandments, shot, I think, 89, 90, thereabouts, in Poland. Now, was that? I was going to say communist Poland. Um, but it would have been, Lech Walesa would have been knocking around at that time, too. So I'm not clear, was it communist or post-communist? I mean, it was after the wall came down in Berlin, so... Certainly it would have been during that time of flux. It's interesting though, because so Poland would have been for a large chunk of the 20th century um, under communist rule, but also with a strong Catholic contingent. In fact, the Polish people that I met on the Camino were um, usually had quite a strong faith um, I only met a few actually, but they were quite, seemed to be, actually, I'm only thinking of one, no, two actually, okay, two guys I met, and one of the Polish guys said to me, I met him early on, on day one, the day that the English lady collapsed, then I met him a couple of days later, we talked about faith, and he said, faith is grace. I've said, I've talked about this before. And of course, the fact he speaks Polish, people who speak Slavic languages, they don't have the or a, they don't have the particles. They have different ways of expressing that, I guess. I mean, I speak some Russian and I know that I'm not sure how to differentiate things, but the the or the a, it seems so important to us. But, um. 
if you ever hear somebody who speaks a Slavic language, even if they have really good English, they often leave out that or a. It's interesting how languages kind of reflect. They just say so much about um, a country. I, I don't know how much you could read into them not having particles. People sitting on the road. Ah. Oh. He started talking to Korean people, and then suddenly uh, it dissolved to another shot. What happened? Why did he turn off the camera? I guess I guess they didn't want to be filmed, and so we edited that out. Oh, he's turning around. He's changing direction now. The sun is to his right, which means he's going the wrong way, but he's retracing. And he's probably going to go left at this roundabout, which would put the sun behind him. Yeah. Okay. That's always a clue. I know I've said that a lot. I'm just trying to sound like one of these kind of you know, Bear, Bear Grylls are one of these guys, one of these dudes who kind of, they know all that kind of stuff. Hey, the sun's on my right, that means I'm going east. I mean, obviously, it depends on the time of day. Am I even making sense? I am, yeah, the sun is behind him now. Although, should be more to his left, but then if this road veers, uh, uh, I'll stop talking now about practical things, so. I do want to reply to this person and suggest that we watch another Decalogue film tonight. And rather than text it, I think it would be easier to speak it, which means it'll be on the podcast. What's the worst that could happen? Okay. How about another Decalogue film tonight? Oh no, that didn't work. Oh yeah. It's because I was reco recording my voice. No, I want to record text. Okay, bear with me. Exciting stuff coming up. Uh, have I talked about my car chases yet? I've been in two, one in Russia, one in America. I probably have. I probably used them up in day one. Ah, tell you what, just just to keep you with me, just bear with me, and I will tell you the Russian car chase story. So don't go anywhere. And uh, should be able to send this text with. Um, how about a decalogue film tonight? spell it the way I wanted. Oh, it's still recording me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm just going back and editing it. Because Decalogue is Polish version D-E-K-E-A-L-O-G. Okay. Text sent. Let's see what happens. So, BK's walking through another little town, village, suburb. Um, I don't know, really. All these houses look like quite nice size in most of the places he passes through. Uh, I need the fan. So, what else was on my list? Oh, I'm just looking down at a new watch. It's, I think I talked about it already, I'd ordered Seiko. And uh, yes, I can confirm. Oh, my phone has fallen down my leg again. I'm still wearing those tapered sweatpants, so the phone is kind of caught at my ankle. I mean, this is just so eventful and so exciting. So, uh, I got the sad lamp on, and uh, that really, charges up the loom on the watch. You know what I mean by the loom, the luminous 
um, numerals on the watch. Seiko, of course, is a great loom. <laughs> oh, God, I'm turning into such a watch bore. I knew hardly anything about watches two months ago. And I don't plan on reading more about them, but then these videos pop up, these comparisons. And, like, I watched one today that was a comparison between two Seikos, the one I got and another predecessor of it that are quite similar. And I was just sort of cheering on my watch. And yes, it won. I know. I don't watch much sports, and yet I'll sit down and watch that. I like a bit of sports. Um, I kind of like the international stuff. I tell you what's great, if you're on holiday or vacation somewhere and the World Cup or the Euros is on and you're in a hotel or a bar or something with people from different nationalities, ah, that's great fun. Yeah, I like that. So he's walking through the streets here. Lots of shade. Someone told me the streets are narrow because gives you more shade. Well, I'll tell you, the streets are pretty damn narrow in Galway, which is a medieval town. And uh, we're not exactly in need of shade most of the time. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> if that's how you get your thrills. Um, I need to take the phone out of my tracksuit bottoms, sweatpants, because I have it on mute, but I may have got a reply. Oh, I don't really need to see the reply about the Decalogue film until after. Oh my God. Yes, that was a sneeze. I think that's my first treadmill Camino sneeze. Let's have some water. So what else was on my list? I know I'm not looking at it now. So two things that I might, oh, I was gonna talk about the car chase. Two other things on the list that will come up at some stage. Cats, I love cats, and yet, I bet you anything, if I try and talk about them, I won't be able to say much. Sometimes I find that it's something I think, oh, I love this, I'd be able to say lots, but, and then you come to it and it's like, I love cats, I love dogs as well. It's just, at the, as an adult, the only pets I've had of my own were cats. Growing up, I had cats and dogs. So I don't consider myself a, specifically a cat person. But having had three cats, now two, well, having grown up with cats and dogs, then having my own, and my own have the run of the house, which we didn't have growing up. That's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> That's a whole different ballgame. And I was reading, you know, Bobby's been waking me up early lately. I was reading about that, and that's like your cat trying to train you. I mean, well, not just trying, succeeding. Got a nice sound of a click of the sticks here. BK sets off down this country lane with kind of ploughed land on each side of him. And it's that kind of terracotta colour. I'd say the walls are kind of terracotta and the clay is... I think I'm using the right description. It's really nice and the sky is blue with just some wisps of cloud. BK's shadow is long in front of him. And, uh, yeah, um, cats. So, I heard there's two cyclists, Buen Camino, get a bell. Okay, um, cats. Yeah, I mean, Bobby used to wake me for food, fair enough. But I always make sure there's enough. I leave the dried food out all the time for the good stuff as well. And I always make sure there's enough. So, 
lately he's been waking me up and there's food down there and it's like, I'd like to think he wants me to do the Camino, but I don't know, is it just a game or something? But no, he's been perturbed lately. I've talked about this before. There's the cats, they're so weird. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw another cat outside recently. Uh, either that or it was a dream, but I think I did. And I mean, life under Camino lockdown, under COVID lockdown, rather, is a bit like a dream state, which is similar to the Camino. I mean, the whole Camino felt like a dream. And then in the middle of it, we're near the end, there's a stage where it still feels dreamlike. But when I think back to my life at home, my work life and everything, that feels even more like a distant dream, like it's not real at all. So the Camino felt more real. But the reason I say it had a dreamlike quality, it was just the way you meet people at the start. Then they go ahead or you go ahead. But then inevitably someone takes a break and weeks later, suddenly, you catch up with them again. It's just like they reappear out of nowhere. That, for me, made it feel kind of dreamlike. And certainly, certain things that happened felt like they had a meaning. Obviously, that's a subjective thing. But a lot of it, there's, I go through, I've had certain periods in my life that feel like mystical experiences. One of which, at least, I talked about here. I would say there were large periods, well, certain chunks of the Camino that felt like that. There were also chunks that just felt like hot, sweaty, with chafing and uh, just and dark thoughts, uh, just negative thoughts, not even dark, just... When Camino, get a bell. See, it's hillier than it looks, because look how slow the cyclist is going. Imagine, I can't understand that pie, it doesn't look hilly. And allegedly I work in TV, I'm supposed to know about these things. But there you go. I'm a fraud, I've been exposed. So I just hope I don't. I hope this doesn't go viral because it could ruin my my other career as people think I'm a visual genius. Now they say he can't even tell if you're walking up a bloody hill. I don't know. I was nearly gonna do some sort of northern English accent there and I pulled out halfway through. <laughs> Sorry, I just my double entendre raider kicked in there for a second. And uh, let's get back to cats. Bobby training me. Camino like a dream. Yeah. Then I was also going to talk about a car chase in America. I feel like something else though on my list. See now? I've forgotten. Uh, BK is holding up his phone trying to get a signal. I think doing the Camino and checking your GPS the whole time, I mean I did that a little bit but that would just wreck my head I think. Um, God, I really went off on a tangent, didn't I? Mystical experiences, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was going to tell you about a car chase in Russia. It's not that exciting, you know, basically, in a car I got chased by police. I wasn't driving. It was a taxi, drunk taxi driver, and there was four of us in the car, all Irish, except for the taxi driver. God, I'm getting through that story pretty quick. I've started, so I'll finish it say on mastermind so uh, yeah cops overtake the taxi he was like drunk we hopped in we only realized after negotiating he was drunk then 
there's a police roadblock. He just <laughs> burst through them. Like, I don't think there was traffic cones and bollards or stuff. I think they just were holding out a kind of flag or something. Anyway, he just keeps going, puts the boot down. A friend of ours had just arrived in Moscow that day. So part of me was kind of proud that we were giving him a, an exciting experience. Uh, cops pull us up, pull up the taxi driver just about a kilometer away from our destination. Um, drag him out of the car, knee him in between the legs, gun to his head. Uh, we all have to get out, we're frisked as well, I think. And uh, let go. So, I mean, really, I'm sure I could embellish that story better. I see, I wasn't really planning on telling it there, but I just thought, let's get it out of the way. Uh, the one in America was a little bit more exciting, but essentially, that's all car chases are. You know, in movies, you get the angles, like think of Bullet, you know, that great film. You got the angles, you got the soundtrack, the music, editing. It's still pretty exciting in reality, but, Ah, oh yeah, here's the thing. To tell it in a story um, is, it's harder to make it exciting. You can do it, of course. I'm not going to do it now. But I've noticed, like, if I, when I read books, if I read a book that's either adapted from a film or just written in that kind of filmy style, a lot of popular fiction now is inspired. Structurally, it's quite similar to films. When you end up at the scene at the end, that's all action-based. It's, I, sometimes I'm reading that and I can just see, especially the more I write, I can just see how, how hard work it is for the writer. And they're, they're, they're trying to really, they're doing it like a film, like lots of short sentences and planting the images and you know, the thing getting closer and closer. And, and yeah, when you're invested, it can still build up the um, tension to a degree, but it's hard work for the writer. And I would argue, even for the reader, like, right now I'm thinking of Hunger Games. And uh, yes, I've read Ulysses as well. Let's just uh, proverb that in quickly. So, so there. Um, Hunger Games. I think the books were great. I've seen the films, but I think I actually haven't seen the final two didn't they split the last book into two? That old trick. Jennifer Lawrence is great in it. Who else? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Woody Harrelson, I think, isn't he? Um, she's great, though. Was that the one that made her? I know she was in Winter Bones before that. That was her kind of... when she was discovered. Um, I do think she's a pretty amazing actor. Actress, we used to say. It seems I've just said it again there. Because I was talking to someone recently who's a female actor, and she wanted to be called an actress, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Can't keep them all happy. I would hope that a bit of perspective might pertain or obtain. Have you ever heard the word obtain used in the same way as pertain. You just did now, and apparently it's a thing. I heard it before from Northern Irish journalist Eamon Malley, actually, on the radio. I had to look it up. I was like, oh my God, you can use obtain in the same way as pertain. So there, um, some free writing tips there. And, and I've totally lost my train of thought. So, Jennifer Lawrence, great. Yeah, so, but the books, what made the books? I mean, what, what works better in books in general than films? Oh, the lane's getting nice and narrow here, by the way, with one of those freestanding stone walls on the right, like we see in Ireland. Is it f completely freestanding? Uh, I think so. I'm looking on a phone. Um, or is there plaster, is there mortar involved somewhere? They look different to the, they, the stones are more flattened anyway than they 
Iris with you. So, where were we? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, correct. Hunger Games, correct. Okay, books versus films, correct. So, I'm just thinking of the last scene. Probably in all of them, you just have this sort of action-y, showdown-y thing. And it was, yeah, you know, the, what I really liked about the books was the character in Katniss Everglade, was that her surname? But I'm pretty sure I've talked about this here before. The fact that she was scared, like most of the time, and did the right thing anyway, but was scared out of her wits. Like, give me that any day over Jack Reacher with this whole macho thing. It's just, if you're not scared and then you go out and beat the crap out of the bad guys, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Tough dude. Um, remind me to stay away from that guy, but doesn't, uh, I, I'm more into, I think real bravery is when you're scared and you still do the right thing, obviously. So, um, but definitely those action scenes work better in films. But then the books are better at getting that whole internal monologue. I'm trying to think, it was first person, wasn't it, the books? I think they were. Um, even if it's third person, you can still delve into those inner thoughts, although first person is great for that. Third person, however, is better for what they call word building. And for complex sci-fi kind of things, third person is helpful to describe to that world, that new world. But I think Hunger Games was first person. I often don't remember because what I'm left with, often I start a book, and even though I'm writing these days and thinking about those things, it can grab me and then after a while I'm like, oh, is it, it's first person or third person? And then, we're passing a guy here, Buen Camino, and uh, I look back on it and go, I can't remember um, what it was. So, I am really going all over the place today, and I'm not even halfway through. Uh, let me deal with this phone in my ankle situation. Yeah, I'm gonna stop treadmill. That was a crazy idea for you. And I'm gonna uh, take the phone out. Okay. And then I'm gonna start. Imagine that. No reply to my question, how about a Decalogue film? Okay. That's okay. I may not even feel like it after this. Okay, I'm at two kilometers an hour. I'll get up to four. Have some water. So I did uh, have a session with my, uh, I'm up to 4.4 kilometers an hour now. Uh, hope that helps you, BK. Get you through this quicker. So, um, oh, 4.5, what the hell. It's live dangerously. Put the fan up high. With Bobby. <laughs> Bobby's outside. Uh, am I gonna let him in? Damn it, I am. This is, what he's done to me. There's a cat door, the room next door, cat flap, okay, a pet flap. It's up on a window, he has to jump up to it. It's, it's not hard. But he would rather wait for me to let him in. The French door is there. And, he's still there. He's kind of looking away, but he's waiting there. I'm letting him in. It, it'll be a moment on the podcast, right? Okay. Stopping the treadmill again. As you can see, my cat, Bobby, basically, he's the ruler in this house. And uh, uh, I'd like to think I, I didn't have to let that happen, but he 
he seems to have just taken over. He just my psyche or something colonized my psyche. That's a quote from a Vim Vendors film, actually. What's the Kings of the Road or one of those? He says something about the Americans have even colonized our psyches. Pretty hard for an actor to deliver a line like that in a naturalistic way, I would imagine. I thought I gave it a good shot there. You know? Try again. Take two. Yeah. The Americans have colonized our psyches. <laughs> Why am I doing that growl? Okay, I'll do more naturalistic. I'll try and just slip it into a conversation. So anyway, you know, I was there going to the shop and I was... I saw a billboard for a movie and I just thought, oh yeah, I was dreaming about, you know, like I was in a road movie the other night and I was, I was just thinking, I was just thinking about it earlier. It's like, it's like the Americans have colonized our psyches or something like that. Hey, that's good. Let's print it. That's, that's the take. Take three. Moving on. Next shot. Okay, James, you're wrapped. Oh, I, I, uh, I thought I had more, more, more scenes. Uh... No, no you don't. But it says on the call sheet, don't worry about the call sheet. Uh, go to payroll, then sort you out with a check. They'll cut you a check. It's the same in America, cut you a check. And uh, yeah, so will I be back tomorrow? Well, we'll see. Don't call us, we'll call you. Has anyone ever said that to me or to anyone? Don't call us, we'll call you. It's such a cliche. I'm sure people have implied it to me, like dates or job interviews or something. I never did well in job interviews. Frank me, no. I was much better in the formal world of that freelance film thing. You might meet someone for a coffee and chat about the job. And then often you just, you're in the loop, you get recommended, you get the job. So then it came as a shock to me when I was down at heel. Is that a right expression? See, I, I start talking in this, I, I forget how to speak English. I was down at heel, looking for just whatever crappy job I could get. I was getting calls from, yeah, I might as well say it. BBC in uh, one of the BBCs, there's a few different ones, different departments, different locations. Let's not get too specific. But I got a call for a job and it was like, yeah, oh man, you know, reality type thing that involved just regular families and buying homes. How much will the new home cost? Oh, gotta, I gotta watch that. I mean, is there not enough of that in reality or am I missing something? It's like people, live this reality. I won't get too political because I don't I'm not well versed enough. I'm also I'm also like a coward hovering on around the center. But still this whole capitalism mark is uh, a little bit exhausting. You think I mean I'm a single guy but it's just even, I think a couple's even trying to buy a house it's hard and working their asses off to buy houses. And then you, you come home, what do you want to, hey, there's a program on TV about some other idiots buying the house. I can't wait to see, have they got enough money for it? Oh, wow, I'm in. I think it was kind of daytime TV, judging by the pay. Well, uh, the pay, uh, he said, he didn't get the job. I didn't get, I got some other jobs with that particular, place uh, that actually wasn't that bad but this show would have just been hours and hours of footage oh god but I drove well I, I travelled all the way see I'm trying not to give away too much oh damn it who cares <laughs> drove all the way to the fact I say I drove I mean you can assume it's on this island, you know, and then I say BBC. So, BBC Northern Ireland, correct. Go to the front of the class. 
and have some more water. So, okay. won't name any names. No one did anything wrong. I obviously wasn't good enough for this daytime TV show. So, drove up. I'm not good at interviews. I'd be the first to admit that. Did an interview for this job. I'm like, oh God, it sounds like the job from hell. Reality kind of stuff with just tons of footage. And the most aching, yawn-inducing, boring concept imaginable to man. He said, exaggerating, I'm sure you could come up with something more boring. Like, really? People watch this? Okay. I'm desperate. I mean, if I was honest in the interview, I'd go, look, I'm desperate. I need the money. I can do the job. But I know, in fairness. I'd probably hire someone to say that. If, do you know what? If I knew their CV, I knew what they had done, and I talked to someone who worked with them, and I talked to them and realized they don't have two heads, like, or they're not you know, drug addicts or something, I'd go, yeah, give them the job, or her the job. Anyway, nowadays it's all performance, it seems, you know? You have to do your interview and perform, especially for public sector stuff, of course. And they always have to be seen to be above board, but I don't know if they are really. But um, what else was I going to say about that? So a drive up. Hmm. What was I going to say? It's all about performance. Oh, yeah, but here's the thing. And I got caught out a couple of times with this, especially with BBC and maybe with other types of institutions like that. It's like the emails were deceptively worded well, coupled with my possible naivety slash stupidity, tick as appropriate, but uh, it's like, it seemed like it was been offered the job, and this happened more than once, this is how stupid I am. It's like, oh, are you available for this job and these dates? I'm kind of, okay. <laughs> you know, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I need the money, so I'm like, yeah, I'm available, right? Oh, great, would you be available for a chat? No, oh, damn, you caught me out. I just, I don't know, it, it was the way they phrased it, I wasn't used to that. It's like, it sounded like it was been offered. Okay, maybe I'm just dumb. So, in the old days, actually, you'd be recommended by someone, you get the job. Fair enough, public sector has always got to dot the old I's and cross the old T's. So, go up for the interview probably didn't put on a great performance. Tried to sound excited and interested. It's like, they didn't even ask for a sample of my editing work. They didn't even ask really about technical things or, you know, that are important for the job, so I don't know. Okay, long story short, I didn't get the job. And luckily, something better came up. I got a job working on a feature as an assistant, which is kind of back to where I started. But I've gone back and done that a few times, and I'd rather assist on a feature than, when Camino, edit daytime TV about people buying houses. Oh, call me old-fashioned. I mean, might I assist on a feature for more money? Not that I'm materialistic, as regular listeners know, I'm a very spiritual gentleman. So, uh, of course, I gave all the money to uh, nuns when it was finished. <laughs> and uh, what else? Oh, yeah. So I go away. And I, I had done some other work up in BBC that was actually fine. It was kind of nine to five stuff, and it was paid by the hour, and it was fine. That was for the one show, actually. So, but this job. I saw a couple of editors working on it, and I'd be going home, finishing. They'd be coming back in just after going out to the shop to get some snacks and in for a long night. It's just a slog, and not paid by the hour. And apparently they had knocked a week off the schedule when moving this show from, from uh, UK. So it had got even harder. So anyway. Glad, yeah, you know, so then I end up working on the feature, that's great. So, from what I heard though, they went through a few editors on that show because it's just, 
horrid. I mean, you know, the, the book I'm writing, The Corridor, is editing daytime TV in London. I haven't actually done a lot of that kind of work, but yeah, it's like slave labor. I in quotes, let's not get too. I don't really want to get into that, but um, it's bloody hard. Put it this way, the people interviewing you get paid more and don't put in those hours. But then again, say la vie, it seems to be how it works. And uh, the fact, editors have a lot of talent, <laughs> and yet, and work bloody hard, and yet are like, honestly, I'm not talking about my current job, but uh, but no, just in general, don't get the respect due to you. But you know, I maybe I I would say that you'd say. Anyway, here's the here, okay. Here's the the uh, climax of my story. The the punchline. There is a punchline. Should have told you that at the start. So BK's coming through a village here, going up a hill. That's a town, really. Seems to be a lot of residences, but hardly any shops in all these places he's passing through. Do I remember these? They're just all, they're all part of a big blur for me. It's nice and shaded here, but it's also hilly. So, uh, so anyway, I'm on the nicer job, and near the end of it, I, um, yeah, I preferred that, working with a famous director, and I was just the numbers guy doing the kind of technical stuff, but I like that and I'm good at it. So. Working with John Borman, actually. And I like working with those old school guys, to be honest, and, and his editor. So, uh, well, lots of people here sitting around, and there's another arch coming up. I always comment when there's an arch, it feels like some sort of rite of passage going under it. Tractor passing by. The bale of hay on the back. Remember in episode two, was it? I talked about tractors a lot. I do like tractors. It's on the record. I am not going to deny it. I'm going to own that one. Okay, we've gone under an arch. Repeat, we've gone under the arch. We've gone uphill. Nice stony looking buildings on each side. And yeah, it's quite steep. So, I get near the end of the um, nice job, and then I get offered another job, which is the one I'm doing now, which is uh, um, a lot nicer than the BBC job, really, in fairness, you know. And it also means working from home, like in Galway, and uh, working with my cats around me. <laughs> so a lot of pluses there. Um, but then I get another email from BBC. There, I've said who they are, so it doesn't matter. And, and the email was, oh, would you like to come for, okay, are you available on these dates? And surely I wasn't suckered again into thinking I was being offered. But I think I got back and I said something like, well, what did I say? Um, Oh, I just called their bluff, because it's just, it seemed kind of deceptive the way they do this. It's like, well, will it involve an interview? I just wanted to, you know, get them to say that before answering the question. And it was for the same job again, maybe another season, I don't know. Oh, English speaking here, somebody talking about credentials. We're now going through a building, it looks like. What's happening here? What's he looking for? Ah, oh, I suspect that was a toilet break. I don't know. And uh, here we go. Someone wearing a nice bright orange top. Really luminescent. Walking out of the building. Okay, and we're back. And we're off. And they're off. BK Lee taking the lead. Okay. Arrow pointing left, isn't it? Oh no, yeah, that wasn't an arrow, that was a shell. You have to know how to follow the shells. The base of it was pointing to the left, and then let's see if I'm right. Oh no, this one, yeah. I don't know, anyway. There's shells up there. 
He's in, he's going the right way. So, so I said, will it involve an interview? She replies, yes, well, it, it will, yes, it will involve a chat, as she called it. And then I just replied, um, so I don't think so. I'm not available or whatever, I'm not interested. I mean, I was polite, I'm not into being rude, but I was, what's the word? Forth, forthright or something like that. Sometimes people mistake that for rudeness, especially in Ireland, because we all do this pretending to be nice routine. And people will pretend to be nice and stab you in your back. And then some people who are direct, thinking of a colleague of mine, would be considered to be rude, but actually you know where you stand with them, so I'm down with that. Anyway, so I say, no, I'm not available. So she gets back maybe a day later, maybe pretty quickly, I think. Oh, is that because of the chat? And then I got back longish email saying, well, it's partly that, it's also something else. It's also, I think I mentioned out another offer. But I also said, you know, I don't really want to drive all the way to Belfast again to do an interview for the same job I was interviewed for before. And I didn't get it. And I said, and I can't, what did I say? I can't, I'm better at editing than I am at talking about it. And I don't believe I can talk about it any more convincingly the second time than I did the first time. So, thank you, but, uh, oh, that was it, I think, best of luck or whatever. Some people would consider that rude, especially by the standard of editors who are meant to be obsequious and submissive. That's kind of coming out in my book. I think that's the journey for the character. I think the romantic plot is going to be a B plot. I think the main story is him finding himself and his finding himself. Oh yeah, that sounds so original. But finding his assertiveness, and breaking out of that mold of the um, acquiescent editor. I remember seeing the BAFTA Awards recently. I, I don't watch the awards shows. I, I don't get these people. I hear them on the radio when this, the Oscars are on. They get their TV or the film person on. Oh, I'm really excited about the Oscars. Why? I, I like a good film. Preferably uh, proper films they used to make in the old days. A lot of it now is, as Scorsese has just churned out for consumers to keep us drugged. But either way, some good films have made their way to, into the Oscars. But so what? I mean, why are you getting excited about that? Are you into films or are you into boring ceremonies with gowns and tuxedos? I do like a nice suit, I'll admit. Uh, tuxedos, no, they're a bit boring. I think for the Oscars, do you get to wear any kind of suit? <laughs> I'm suddenly getting excited about it. I'm like, oh yeah, well, and maybe this Camino on a treadmill will be made into a movie and then I'll be at the Oscars and I get to wear my bespoke suit or maybe I'll have a few of them by then at one of my watches. That would be the big debate. Ooh, which watch will I wear? Ooh. Will I buy, maybe I'll buy a Rolex now with my million dollar deal. But then I'd be like, oh, but I don't want to look too materialistic because I'm like spiritual and stuff. <sighs> you know, I think the Seiko I'm wearing now is just, it, that's the sweet spot between looking like a bum and being over materialistic. I think that's the kind of, I think I could wear this especially because it appears in the podcast. And it's way less than a, than a Rolex. Looks nice. I could wear this and still pull off the whole spiritual kind of thing. You know? Like, I don't really care about any of this stuff, like my bespoke suit and my, you know, my Seiko watch. No, but you know, if you're going to renounce materialism whilst wearing it, which could, could work. Yeah, then maybe I should wear a Rolex and an even more expensive bespoke suit and bling. No, not bling. Just nice, classy, expensive stuff. But then I'm like, yeah, well, you know, 
I don't really... This stuff isn't what it's all about, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care for this. I just... In fact, this is ridiculous. You know, my publicist kind of... They, they make me wear this stuff, but, like... That's not what it's really about. I don't know what accent I'm doing there. I don't want to speak like me, though. I want to... Yeah, I'd like to have disaffected drawl. Um, kind of West Coast beach bum vibe or something. I can work on that. Oh, damn, I just realized... No, I was going to say they'll want me to sound like this, but they won't, because in the movie, I'll be played by... Well, voice-wise, I'm thinking of uh, Owen Wilson. Now, I'm mixing up my Owens and my Lukes, aren't I? The guy from Zoolander. Isn't that Owen? Yeah. But... I probably want someone younger to play me. I mean, he's probably my age. God, he could be younger. Oh my God, I've, I get so deluded sometimes. That's just, okay. While you're with me, I'm gonna Google this, okay? Um, hey, Google. Oh, damn it, I stopped the video. Oh no. What age is Owen Wilson? Okay, it's 52, but of course I stopped the video because I'll just start it again, okay. That's because it's on, I have two phones on the go here. Uh, I thought we were gonna have such fun with me doing my hey Google. So anyway, Owen Wilson's 52. It's probably in better shape than me at 49, but no, DiCaprio could play me. Um, you know, he's, Gotta be someone good looking, obviously. And uh, someone fairly tall. Let's uh, let's not uh, let's not be too literal about these things. I mean, I feel tall. That's gotta count. I have a friend slash neighbor who's obsessed with height. He was telling me. I think he thought it would be a compliment. Oh yeah, Sharon Tate would like you. Oh God. I, I'm sorry you even brought her up. Because her husband was short and that's another subject, not really. Let's move it, moving along swiftly. Who would play me? Who will play me? Let's predict this and people can put bets on it. They'll be taking bets on this in the bookies as of, I'd say, as soon as this podcast hits the, hits the airwaves or whatever you, hits the, Whatever, the road. Um, okay. No, I don't want DiCaprio. I don't know. Um, I don't know enough actors. I don't know all the new actors. The last experience I had where I went to a film where I knew most of the actors was The Irishman. Scorsese's film where he brought back De Niro, Pesci, Harvey Cattell, uh, who am I missing? Robert De Niro. Oh, Al Pacino. Of course, he was never in a Scorsese film before, am I right? He was with De Niro in Heat, but yeah. Anyway, I'm not into all this. Um, oh, my phone is gone. What is it? I'm not into all this movie trivia stuff. Yeah, okay. So, um, where was I? Oh, my speed's at four. And I'm gonna have to resync this video again. Okay, let's put my speed up to 4.6. Oh God, I've only six minutes left. And I got around to nothing that I wanted to talk about, but that's good. It, I've just, you know, put some stuff out there to keep you listening. Still got another car chase to talk about. And cats. Oh, my phone is falling down my leg again. And BK just uh, belched. It's just one of those days. Liberty, 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 liberty. That's a jingle from one of those American ads I hear on CNN as I'm falling asleep. I always sing along, it's sad. Liberty, 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 liberty. And then there's another one. We are farmers. Bum, ba -dum, bum, 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 bum. Some farmer's insurance or something. 
We are farmers. Bum, ba, dum, bum, 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 bum. It's more fun to sing than the Liberty one. Who comes up with this stuff? And how much money do they get paid? I suspect a lot. So, if I could restart my career rather than driving to Belfast to edit, to not get the job of editing inane reality type TV, fact and did they call it that? Factual entertainment? Ugh. Just go away, go away. Fact and somehow the fact they abbreviate makes it worse. But, um, oh yeah, if I could just honestly write logos for those ads, I, uh, get paid a fortune. Of course, can't think of any on the spot, but I'm sure I could come up with something at least as good as Liberty, 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 Liberty. There's that little pause, you know, at the end. Okay, and then there's We Are Farmers, bum, ba -dum, bum, 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 bum. Um, can't remember any others. Okay, let's see how we're doing time-wise. 156, 17, 18, okay. So, uh, three and a half minutes-ish. Okay, oh, mind you, let's see. Uh, the whole thing is 448. No, but I'm finishing on the hour, so I'll remember where to start, of course. I'm going back down to 4K, I don't care anymore. Well, today's podcast was really ramshackle, I think. Even more so than usual. I have a feeling, I wasn't looking at notes, but I have a feeling I had things on the horizon that were going to be amazing that I was about to say. See, when the podcast goes mega and I have a producer, they'll be speaking into my ear, right? Then, then people will say, oh, you know, it's got more formulaic or something. I don't know, I preferred James when he was kind of all over the place. Yeah. I was making a joke to myself yesterday. I thought I'd say it on the podcast. It's not even a joke like beginning, middle, end. It's the kind of stuff... I Okay. When I do this when I'm writing, I guess it's considered sane. When you're not writing, you're cooking your dinner and you're doing it. What's that considered? Oh, that's one topic, sanity. What is sanity? Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Stay tuned, folks. Um, so I was doing this character in my head who's, I think was sort of male, but then the voice came out more female. But what was it? What were they saying? Like, they were saying, uh, what's it? Uh, yeah, I'm blessed with the fact that I don't really, that I can live without sex, that I don't really need it. Which is just as well, because I don't get it anyway. <laughs> it was something like that. I said it better in my head, and I just laughed, because I wasn't expecting the second line. And the first line was maybe a bit different. So, yeah. Uh, it's much easier to do when I don't have a mic on, you know? Believe it or not, I'm better. Even better, you say? Why, yes. Bum, ba -dum, bum, 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 bum. Maybe I should have ended the joke with that. Yeah, I... I'm blessed with the gift of being able to manage their sex. Which is just as well, because don't get any anyway. Bum, ba -dum, bum, 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 bum. I'm telling you, the accent was way better yesterday. <laughs> I don't even know if it's funny, but I was like, I thought that's hilarious. Oh, by the way, it's not uh, autobiographical or confessional, I should let you know. Ladies. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you end a sentence with ladies, it's sleazy. Courtesy of Dimitri Martin, I'm not stealing his joke. I'm quoting him. Okay, Dimitri Martin, check him out, he's great. And we have 33 seconds ago, but okay. Yeah, you know, I'm blessed with the fact that I don't really, I can cope with that sex, which is like, kind of good because I don't get it anyway. Okay, the joke is getting worse each time I tell it, and the accent is getting worse. And I'm really sorry I even started. Just to be clear once again, not autobiographical. Fictitious character, not at all based on me. Okay, 
Bum, ba -dum, bum, 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 bum. I'm a dumb. Over and out. See you tomorrow. God bless. Buen camino.